But the key is to really optimize and hack our, our well-being and our health to thrive in life is we want to and need to spend more time in our ventral vagal state, in our in this socially engaged, calm state of our autonomic nervous system. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hey there, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of I'm Not Your Shrink. I'm so glad that you have chosen to take me with you today. Podcasting is one of my favorite things because I know that I'm in your ear wherever you are, whether you are in the kitchen cutting up your dinner items or you're out for a walk or maybe you're out driving, but I truly value you choosing to listen to this episode and choosing to take me with you. So I want to first express gratitude. Thank you for being part of this community. Today, I am so excited to share with you another episode around stress and burnout because we know that 2020 has been such a difficult one and so many of my clients and women in my community report feeling overwhelmed, stressed, and burned out. So today's episode, I get to sit with my friend and colleague, Dr. Julie Bullock, and we go into hacking our nervous system so we can be more resilient. Dr. Julie Bullock is a registered psychologist and consultant based here in Ottawa with me. She is also a mindfulness and yoga teacher and an enthusiast of all things movement and in nature. She works with individuals, groups, and organizations to help them become more engaged, productive, and live happier lives. As a clinical health and rehabilitation psychologist, she has a particular expertise in helping individuals become more embodied and live healthier lives. And she's also passionate about helping teams work better together and offers training to help leaders and teams optimize their performance and well-being. She has presented her research at international and national conferences and published in peer-reviewed journals. And together, her and I have an e-course on building resilience against stress and burnout. This was such an important project that we did together where we kept seeing the same theme over and over again show up with women in our therapy rooms, but also women in our lives and even in our own selves. So together, we created this piece of work to help women move beyond burnout and cultivate self-compassion and awareness. All right. I'm so excited to introduce you to Dr. Julie. Let's go into today's episode. Thank you so much, Dr. Julie Bolak, for joining me here today on the podcast to talk about just all of the stress that is going on right now and how we can how we can manage all of this. And just to give people a little bit of context, we have a fun history together, don't we? We certainly do. And yeah. it's wonderful to be here talking with you about this topic. Thank you. So, so Julie was actually my supervisor my first year out of grad school. And so uh, psychologists do need to have that year of supervision. And so we worked closely together. And then here we are. We've been collaborating for the past several years together, uh, really with the intention of helping women to live their best life. Yes, it's been quite the journey. It has. So before we get started, tell us three things that make you uniquely you. This is a fun question. Yeah, and I, I know thinking beyond being a psychologist is important, even though that's an important part of my identity. But I guess the first thing that comes to mind is just how passionate I am about well-being. I love talking about and doing anything related to further optimizing my health. And people who know me well have been uh, <laughs> remarking on my different COVID additions. So I, <laughs> I am now a regular infrared sauna user, and I also bought a rebounder and have been jumping on my mini trampoline 
which I'll get into how both those things can be ways to really not just optimize well-being, but deal with stress differently also. And then a second thing that comes to mind is, as a psychologist, um, for someone choosing and loving this profession that traditionally involves so much sitting, you'll rarely, rarely find me sitting, at least not in a chair. So I have a standing desk, a low table and cushions where I eat at or also work at. And if I'm in line or waiting around for something, you'll commonly see me squatting or taking some other position. And in fact, I do not have, um, to some people's dismay, one single chair in my home. Which is, it's lovely. And I really enjoyed using my body differently when when I connect with you in your place Mm -hmm. or even when we're out for walks. And you've inspired me today that to make sure I'm not always just sitting at my desk. So I'm sitting on my bolster cushion here as we record mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that, that I'll touch on in our talk of, I think today, Tracy is just how changing our body position can be such a powerful intervention mm-hmm. beyond just um, physical, so-called physical health. This and, has been, this, sorry, this has yeah. been a tough one um, recently because, and, mm-hmm. and I was actually talking about this idea of transitions with clients and also with some of my colleagues, this idea of all of the transitions we used to have that would be good for our body, but also for us emotionally and mentally in our day, the transition of leaving the home or the commute to work or, you know, even in my own experience, the moment to moment transition of sitting with a client, you know, standing up, welcoming them at the door, sitting across from them. And then when we're done, getting up, walking them to the door, opening the door, closing the door, right? It's the, mm-hmm. those transitions that we've just really lost with yeah. what's COVID brought. Yeah, this, this different situations pushing us to form new rituals and, and patterns. Um, but it takes some time and adjusting to our, our, these circumstances to find transitions that might be or rituals to help with the transitions. And I guess the third thing that comes to mind is... Um, curious about all things. So I, I like to joke that if the, the library had a loyalty point system, I would be rich or have top tier status. <laughs> so I was quite upset for the first little while during the shutdown when the library was closed, but thankfully had a whole pile of library books already out that got me through that stretch. And can I ask what, what has been on your night side table? Oh, um, great question. What did I just finish? Well, actually I just finished reading one of Deb Dana's um, books on polyvagal theory and mm-hmm. exercises. Um, another book I recently finished, one of my favorites actually of the past few years is titled The Courage to be Disliked. Oh, the yes. title of the book. Yeah, I, I might have mentioned it to you recently. We did talk about it on our walk. We, mm-hmm. were, we were out for a walk and talking about that. And the the theme that we were talking about was this idea of what was it? Bringing a horse to water, but you can't make it drink? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember what we were talking about in the context of that? Oh, I imagine it was this idea that we, you know, we see things that loved ones or others are doing, especially psychologists, but even as friends and family members, we're wanting to help people make um, positive changes in their lives. And Yet our role is not to change others, but rather to encourage. Mm. So this is one of the themes that I took away from the book, The Courage to be Disliked. Mm -hmm. It's such a powerful theme. We we really struggle with that, don't we? We want to be Mm. able to control what other people do like it's right it's such a desire and particularly one of the themes that comes up around that is when someone else struggles with mental health or addiction Mm -hmm. we feel this loss of control and we really just want to be able to change someone like if if you just go to therapy if you just did this absolutely The, the drive to control or have have more certainty and that's one of the the most challenging aspects of our current context and life in general is feeling like we don't have control where we would like to have control or this uncertainty. And COVID has really um, amplified Mm -hmm. this sense of uncertainty or lack of control in our lives. 
Mm-hmm. It was always there. We we never really had control if we thought we did. <laughs> and yet all of a sudden it's become crystal clear. Oh, right. I, might, mm. I can plan a holiday or I can plan a, something and something changes out of my hands and mm-hmm. here I am. I can think of several moments in my own life where I've really had to confront that where I thought... I had control or I thought mm-hmm. I had certainty over things or events or different things that were going to happen and, and really having to learn that I didn't have that. And, and, I, and I must admit the, the pandemic is like one of those lessons that just comes right up into my face and it's, it's come in waves for me, mm-hmm. this, this sense of not having control. And I, I know recently one of the things I really struggled with was the change in terms of schools opening up. Yes. And imagine with the kids. With your yeah. And, and I think I had to come to this point and it was really hard. I had to come to this point of acknowledging, okay, I have to keep living my life because this mm-hmm. is outside of my control and I can only do what is in within my control. Mm-hmm. And so how can I, okay, so I'm not going on a weekend getaway with my best friend or, mm-hmm. you know, we're not leaving the kids for a night for our date night where, no. you know, what's, what's the, what's within what's possible right now so we can still be well. Yeah, that that makes me think of just the nature of stress in our current times and the chronicity of it. Like, it's not like there's this acute stressor. I remember in the first couple weeks of the coronavirus situation and people going, okay, you know, I can do this for a couple weeks. You know, mm-hmm. it's really frustrating and annoying. And, and once we started to realize, whoa, this is going to go on for a lot longer than just a couple of weeks. Then we started to see more and more the impact of chronic stress, which I know we're going to get into today. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me, and these Loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable, and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100-night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to Cozy 
lindsayearth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. So let's move into that because so many people are talking about this sense of burnout at this point. And I even polled my community mm-hmm. on Instagram and it was 85%. Now, most of those, those people are women um, mm-hmm. within middle age demographic. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just real 85%. Wow. That that is consistent with what I'm seeing in both my clinical practice and I work with different ages in both men and women and also friends and family that Mm -hmm. more and more people are both displaying symptoms of burnout and also talking more about the experience of feeling like they're burning out or they're really um, feeling... um, low energy, drained, overwhelmed, like smaller things, smaller, smaller daily hassles are just taking a lot more out of them. What are you seeing for, for people? So tell me a bit more about that in terms of what is, what is it that's leading us to burnout? Cause it, it's definitely the daily hassles and the yes. daily stresses <laughs> yes. that we just did. I mean, I can even remember saying to my partner just to go out to get a loaf of bread. It's not just, I hop in my car, I pop in yeah. and I pop out. Um, no, so, so that's you know, part remembering, of it. remembering our mask and remembering all these little things and then waiting in longer lines, daily hassles is part of it for sure. But it's much more than that, as you suggested, there's this blurring or lack of boundaries between work and personal or um, different parts of our life. You, you mentioned it earlier around transitions. We don't have, many of us, the same transitions or boundaries that we, we had mm-hmm. before the situation. So that's definitely an important factor. And then there's just the, the, the isolation or disconnection from people and activities that fill us up. So at the same time as having more stressors, like more daily hassles and and stress, we don't have the same outlets. Like I'm thinking of myself and, you know, normally I would go to a yoga class or go for dinner with a friend at the end of, you know, a busy day. Now, you know, I'm having to find different activities and different ways of connecting mm-hmm. to, to, to resource myself again at the end of the day. And that's a hard one because, you know, for many of us, it's looking like Zoom calls and phone calls. And sometimes we just don't want to be more connected after, (laughs) right? I mean, we've talked about Zoom fatigue and having to be on it for several hours a day. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, sure, I I, I know what would fill me up is connecting Mm -hmm. with friends and loved ones. Mm -hmm. But to be on more video and to be in front of my computer and technology more mm-hmm. is just exhausting. Absolutely. And then I've also also um, noted just earlier when we were speaking about uncertainty. So we always had, you know, uncertainty is part of life. It's, you know, I sometimes say to people, the only thing that's certain is death. <laughs> Everything else, you know, we don't know. But there's an increased awareness these days, I'm finding, amongst most people of Mm. uncertainty, that uncertainty is part of life. And it's hard. Yeah, that's really been stirred up of what does this look like? I I find a lot of what's happening in sessions with my clients as we're talking about, you know, well, what about 
with, with winter coming when, when the weather gets colder, what about at Christmas? What about with my family? And, and a lot of what we're having to do is spend time being right here in the now mm. because we don't know what that time looks like. Yeah. Totally. It, it, how how could we know? And that in itself is unsettling, especially when we think of all of the routines we've been in. I mean, mm-hmm. how how regular it's been to just say, okay, this is what we do at this time of the year, and we see these yeah. people, and we're with this at this time, and and then now to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know when I'm going to see you next. Yeah. I don't know when I'm going to be able to travel next. I don't know when, you know, I'm going to not be working virtually if is working virtually and Mm -hmm. everyone has a different sort of experience with that there are some people I'm talking to who really are enjoying being at home more and the virtual work and others that just can't wait to get back to the office Mm -hmm. or person work I I was listening to um Emily Nagoski and her sister Amelia they've written the book Burnout. Have you heard of it? I have, yes. It's on my wish list to to listen to, but I really like how they talk about these three things that are around burnout. And they identify the three things as emotional exhaustion, Mm -hmm. a decreased sense of accomplishment, that feeling like you are not accomplishing things. Mm -hmm. And that's a really big one because oftentimes what happens, what, what I see with my clients around burnout is that they still are doing things. They're still getting things done, but they don't mm-hmm. feel like they are. Mm-hmm. They've got this decreased feeling around it. And then also that depersonalization. Yeah. And it's really our, our perception that matters with stress mm. or with um, a sense of accomplishment. It doesn't matter objectively whether we're checking the boxes or not. It's our sense of, mm-hmm. um, do I feel like I'm doing enough? Yeah, that's really interesting. And for some people, what's happening is there's almost, I'm seeing two sides almost, there's almost this increased sense of productivity. People are putting the pressure on themselves that I have to be more productive Mm-hmm. now and in some ways proving my productivity mm-hmm. because they're not in the office connecting mm-hmm. with others. And because we know that when someone works an eight-hour day in the office, they're not working eight hours <laughs> straight. Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, there are healthy things that are built in there, you know, connecting mm-hmm. with your colleague who sits beside you, going mm-hmm. for a walk around the building, getting up to get water and talking to someone else. Um, that's one thing that I'm seeing. And then other people who are just really struggling to to complete work at home because of the environment and situation. Yeah, I'm imagining. Well, I know hearing from some people that I work with that, you know, there are distractions and, you know, children at home, partners at home, all sorts of things that are even like delivery people buzzing all the time mm. or knocking on the door. It's yeah, different, different distractions for sure. Working at home. So what happens inside of us then when we are experiencing chronic stress? Well, I'm imagining most of the listeners have heard of, have heard of stress hormones getting mm-hmm. released and this idea that um, when we experience stress, we go into this fight flight or freeze response. And what this, what happens then is it leads to a cascade of physiological impacts, which I'm not going to get into, but involve things like quickening of our breathing. Mm-hmm. So this stress state is very adaptive. Uh, it, it happens to protect us um, when we're under threat, but it, it becomes problematic when it's activated chronically. Um, which is what's happening these days. In order for any sort of healing and recovery to take place, we need to downregulate our stress response. But what happens when we get activated into that fight, flight, or freeze response is there's energy that's released. And the purpose of this energy is to be used up fairly quickly, like running away from a bear. But in times of chronic stress, the energy often doesn't get used up. And so what we're talking more and more about these days and working with clients on is noticing that energy. What does that energy feel like? And when we tune into what that energy feels like, that gives us some ideas on how we might best use it in more healthy ways. So, Sorry, Julie, I just yeah. want to stop you there because I think that is so important. And I really want to emphasize that, that when, when we are in a stressful situation, so when there's a bear mm-hmm. there, our system says run. And so we run and that gets, that gets the hormone out, right? Like just kind of yeah, simplifying that. Exactly. It releases it. But in mm-hmm. chronic stress... 
-hmm. you're saying the energy does not get used up. And that's- that's Because we don't run away. Right. Because we're not running. We're not having an outlet for it. Yeah. So this energy is in our body and it's really important. And what I'm really emphasizing these days is to check in with your body. And what does that energy feel like? Does it Mm. feel like um, the emotion of anxiety, nervousness, or agitation? Or does the energy feel more like anger or frustration? And that suggests more of a flight or a fight energy. So the anger, irritation is more of a fight energy, whereas flight, anyways. And I'll get into in a little bit what might be most helpful then in terms of the releasing of the energy. But the first step is really noticing what does the energy feel like? And and how can we do that? Because I I know Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't spend a lot of time listening to our body. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great question. I think before we go there, it might be helpful to get into a little bit of the theory behind mm. it. I don't want to get too theoretical, mm-hmm. but there, this is where polyvagal theory um, and the vagus nerve come in to helping us understand our autonomic nervous system. So this is so cool, this theory and It's been so helpful at understanding not just stress, but what we can do to increase our resiliency to stress. Mm -hmm. Because what happens in our body at a physiological level ends up then affecting our thoughts, feelings, and the stories we tell ourselves. So this one expression that, that you'll hear if you read up on polyvagal theory is that story follows state. So we, we think that our stories are so real. Like we take them as the whole truth, but really it's what, what's happening at a body level, a physiological level that ends up building our stories. And so if we change things at a, at a body level, it then changes our story. So mm, this that's theory, really good. yeah, this theory, polyvagal theory was developed by Stephen Porges. And it's, as I mentioned, helps us understand the autonomic nervous system. And so it describes three hierarchical states. These are along a continuum, so it's not like one ends and one starts, but they go from this this state of calm and socially engaged, kind of like, you know, we're as we're talking right now, I'm feeling mostly in this state myself. I, you know, enjoy speaking with you, Tracy. We always have a good time Mm -hmm. and um, I don't feel a sense of threat, like I might be judged or, you know, you might say something, you know, it's a very calm and socially engaged state to the bottom hierarchy, which is a more primitive, stressed, shut down state. And so these are the different states and they take place along two branches of of our autonomic nervous system. We've heard the term likely the term sympathetic and parasympathetic. That's the the former breakdown of our autonomic nervous system. So the nuance that polyvagal theory has added is to the parasympathetic branch. So the sympathetic branch is that fight or flight pathway. The sympathetic branch is actually where we find two pathways along the vagus nerve. So it's not just one path of like rest and digest. It's more complicated than or more nuanced than how we used to think of it. And this is the parasympathetic branch. This is the parasympathetic branch. Yes. Okay. Right. So the sympathetic branch, the sympathetic pathway is that fight flight. And it it is the, there's a bear. Mm -hmm. I need to run. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Whereas the parasympathetic branch, the pathways are along the vagus nerve, which I'll get into in a little bit more about this vagus nerve, but the pathway is dorsal and ventral. Ventral is this socially engaged, calm, safe state that I mentioned previously. Mm-hmm. It's at the top of the hierarchy. It's where we want to spend most of our time. Right. But when we sense danger, we move down the ladder. Some people refer to the, the autonomic nervous system almost like a ladder. If you get yes. a visual, you can imagine... Okay, I'm, you know, having a cup of tea with a good friend. I'm, you know, in my ventral happy place. Mm-hmm. And then I hear a noise. Oh, you might then go down the ladder into sympathetic, a more activated, mobilized stress state, that fight or flight, mm-hmm. where you feel fearful or irritated or frustrated. 
and then say something else happens that causes even more stress. So the alarm keeps going off and you discover there's a fire or something. You might go into more of a dorsal shutdown, an, a, a, a numb sort of like frozen, I don't even know what to do next sort of state. Mm-hmm. And that's the most primitive or the bottom of the ladder. Mm. That's a little bit about polyvagal theory in these different states of our autonomic nervous system. And so the goal is not to be in ventral vagal state 100% of the time, but resiliency is about being able to return quickly to ventral, that top of the ladder, when we find, when we notice that we're in more of a activated or shut down sort of stress state. And that's something we can build. I wonder if we could even connect how this looked for people in the pandemic right now. Mm -hmm. In in the sense of, and you you helped me, Julie, in the sense that, you know, ventral might've been where we were before in that ventral state of feeling safe or socially engaged Mm -hmm. or relaxed. And then what happened at the start was really that sympathetic activation where that was that fight or flight. So a really concrete example is the buying of toilet paper. Yes. <laughs> right? So we're <laughs> the things we remember of 2020. <laughs> we're going into survival mode. Like I need to make sure I and my have the supplies I need to take care of my family and myself. Right. I'm gonna go to the grocery store. I might like yep. display a little bit more parking lot rage, you know. Yep. I certainly saw lots more honking and people giving each other fingers. All that oh my is goodness, that yeah. sympathetic charged um, stress response. And, and I, re- I remember feeling it. I remember when I would go out, it felt incredibly threatening and scary yes. as if I were going into the jungle, right? And, oh. and I remember having to talk to myself of, you are going to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You're safe. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You have your, right? And even the idea of having a mask over your face and what that meant. Yes. Right. And as time has gone gone on, and even for some people right away, they might have gone into more of a dorsal sh- shutdown a mobilized mm-hmm. stress state where they're more numb, depending on the state you're in when the next stressor mm-hmm. shows up. So what would what does um, dorsal or more that shutdown state look like? It looks like someone staying at home all the time, maybe not answering phone calls, mm-hmm. um, disconnecting, not speaking much. Like it's mm-hmm. really more of a shutdown state. It's protective, isn't it, in some ways? And, They're both protective. Mm -hmm. You know, our responses to stress are protective. We've we've learned these responses and at different times they're adaptive, right? If there were a bear or a car driving down the street really fast and we need to get out of the way quickly, Mm -hmm. we have learned to respond in certain ways to Mm -hmm. protect ourselves and and our loved ones. The problem is that over time, um, they don't end up serving us. I, I'm even just thinking about, um, okay, so we're no longer having to jump out of the way for a car on the mm-hmm. street, but then sitting there scrolling on social media or watching the news and having the news on all day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how those are things that are triggering our nervous system and how we're doing. Absolutely. And so I wonder whether it might be helpful here to talk a little bit about the vagus nerve. Yes. And how really activating and learning how to, to hack or um, bring on this vagus nerve response can help us at um, building resiliency and dealing with stress in our everyday life. Let's go for it. I love how you use the word hack. So hacking our nervous system. (laughs) Cool. So, so this is, this nerve is the the 10th and longest cranial nerve. It runs from the brain to the lower abdomen. So interfaces with almost everything in our body in terms of our heart, lungs, digestive tract. And we're hearing a lot about this nerve these days, which has also been referred to as like the super highway in our body mm-hmm. because of the role it plays in regulating the immune system, which mm-hmm. is obviously a really important topic right now. And it even boosts, I thought of you, Tracy, it even boosts oxytocin, which is that feel good love hormone <laughs> that you probably talk about with your couples when you're doing yes. couples therapy, right? Yes. Or, or with mothers when they're mm, nursing yes. and connecting with babies. Yes, absolutely. And so this nerve can help us turn off the switch 
for numerous diseases and conditions, everything from depression, anxiety, epilepsy, rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, the list goes on because of how crucial a role it plays in all, like all of the functionings of our body pretty much. The key is to engage our social engagement system. So we need to get back to, as quickly as possible, our ventral state, that the top of the, the ladder. Right. So, so being able to get back to the top and not staying down at the lower rungs. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with getting, you know, into more of a mobilized or immobilized stress state from time to time. That is part of being human. Nothing wrong with you. We all go to these different states and they're very much along a continuum. But the key is to really optimize and hack our, our well-being and our health to thrive in life is we want to and need to spend more time in our ventral vagal state, in our in this socially engaged, calm state of our autonomic nervous system. Mm-hmm. And that's really around that sense of resilience. Yeah. So an, a term that... you that folks may have heard of is bagel tone. And we can strengthen our resilience to stress by increasing our vagal tone, which is a physiological marker of vulnerability to stress. And it's a bit like exercising in any other sort of way. We mm-hmm. can strengthen our vagal tone or strengthen our vagal response by exercising it. So by getting into our ventral state more often and building in resiliency routines into our everyday life, not just when, you know, stuff hits the fan, but (laughs) try not to swear here, not when things, you know, go wrong, but building in resiliency routines into our everyday so that when something does happen, like, you know, you have to go to the grocery store and you find it a stressful experience, Mm -hmm. it doesn't take it down the ladder so far or keep you down in the basement so so long. Right. So going back to what we said earlier, you can't control that we, there are no. things that we can't, like there's uncertainty in our life. Yeah. But And we don't know what's going to happen if we go to the grocery store or if we, whatever it is, but we can learn to, to tone that mm-hmm. part of us so that we can then choose how we respond. Absolutely. And we can do this with really simple, easy, and effective um, strategies, that, that like bagel toning maneuvers or resiliency routines that mm-hmm. we can put into our everyday life. I really like that you're saying that, Julia, because I, I know one of the things that people get stuck on is we go to this all or nothing thinking, well, I have to go to the, I have to go to the gym for 50 minutes, five times a week, or it just doesn't matter. Yes. And the challenge with that, particularly, I mean, that might've worked before fine, but now maybe the gyms are opening and closing mm-hmm. and we don't know, or mm-hmm. it's not possible to get out that much or whatever it is that we've got to find this way of what are the everyday things that we can yeah. have in our life that we can do that's within our control. And, yeah. and and truly one of the things you and I talk a lot about together is these small things towards what's meaningful in your life, doing small things every single day. Absolutely. And another uh, theme that I, I work on with people all the time is how this does not need to be one more thing that you do. Mm. Like, okay, I already have my physiotherapy exercises right. and I have my exercise routines and I have to cook dinner and I have to do this and I have to do that. But rather it can, we can stack it. Mm. So I love um, Katie Bowman, who's a natural movement person that I, that I have followed for many years and done some workshops with. She has this concept of stacking your life and it's not multitasking, but rather it's how can we do one thing that needs multiple needs? So a great example is, you know, going out for a walk outside with a friend or loved one and talking about something. So you're, you know, getting your social need met, you're getting outside time, you're getting movement, like all these different needs can be met mm-hmm. at the same time. So that's the idea I'm working on with people in terms of building in these resiliency routines like mm-hmm. what are you doing already that maybe you could do a little bit differently mm-hmm. or add some other element to it so that not only isn't it great for 
you know, your health in some other way, but it also strengthens your bagel break. The the concept of stacking has been such a big one since you and I talked about it before. And I, I know you and I have, have engaged in that before as well of walking and connecting. Mm, and yeah. um, I, I do my, my Friday Costco trips with a mm. friend so that we get a chance to see each other. And of course we're wearing our masks now, but mm-hmm. you know, it is this idea that we're doing something that we need to be doing um, mm-hmm. And then we're also adding that connection part, which, which yes. is really important for, for my stress. We all share this fundamental human need to be connected and attached to others. Mm. That is you know, something we need to really take a look at our lives as they are right now. And how can we build in more connection? Like it's not, it, there's nothing natural about um, social distancing. And I actually really, really dislike that term. Mm-hmm. We are not meant to be socially distancing right now, yes, but rather physical distancing. Right. There is such a nuance, isn't it? Like it's mm. so huge though, social versus physical distancing, mm-hmm. physical distancing so we can continue to connect, which is what we really need. Mm-hmm. Before we go forward, I have to ask, what, what are some other ways that you've gotten that social connection during this difficult time? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, it's looking again at the, the resiliency routines I had in my life prior to COVID and how can I modify them to make them workable still. So I continue to do, I have a, uh, a good friend that we've been running once a week ever since I moved back to Ottawa after working in Manitoba for, for four years. And once a week, we still get together and we, we run and we do our 10K run together. And having that to look forward to, that point of connection through all this, those kinds of things really, really fill, fill me up. And I think we all need that. I'm hearing yeah. it from clients I work with and family and friends, like just missing that in-person connection like it's great Mm -hmm. to to talk with you today over zoom Tracy Mm -hmm. but it's it's just not the same as 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 being in person yeah and so finding a way of what what's our comfort level Mm -hmm. that we can be able to do that okay so and I understand that's not possible for everyone right like there are circumstances like I I I have clients I work with where for health reasons or some other circumstance is just not possible or the risk they feel the risk is too great to meet Mm -hmm. up in person with with people and then you know you do what you can do Mm -hmm. right but if it at all possible to have some in-person contact it is valuable Mm -hmm. how important it is absolutely what are some ways that we can retune and calm our nervous system? I, th- I find this to be the most important part because it's like the how-to, like, okay, I get the, yeah. you know, this is important. Now Tell, me how to do do? It. <laughs> Tell me how to do it. <laughs> Tell me how to do it because I'm buying it. <laughs> so what this reconditioning does is it's not just like it helps us in the moment. It does that too, but it can actually recondition our bodies to end up spending more time in this um, calm and socially engaged state to be at the top of the autonomic ladder more often. Now, the first step is to notice and name the state you're in. So we need to get to know the cues that we're in different states, such as dorsal shutdown as uh-huh. compared to more of a mobilized, agitated stress state. Mm-hmm. In order to then do something, we want to first identify what state am I in? So just asking yourself that, what state am I in? What state am I in? And, and I know this is a question that you commonly ask the people that you work with. I, I'm even thinking in our e-course together that this is part of our first session mm-hmm. of how we help people to go inside and see where are you right now? Absolutely. Because otherwise what happens is it's like, it's like going on a road trip without a map or a destination in mind. It, it could end up taking you somewhere really interesting, but not necessarily. You might just end up driving around in circles or <laughs> um, ending up down some dead end road. And that is often what happens in psychotherapy or um, in any sort of working on our self-reflective exercise when we don't first check in with, where am I at right now? 
taking an inventory or a status check of right now. And when when you say that happens in psychotherapy, that mm-hmm. w- what I'm thinking about, but tell me a bit more, is what I'm thinking about is that sometimes when we start our sessions, sometimes mm-hmm. clients may not have asked themselves, where am I at today? Mm-hmm. What, what would feel good for me and what do I need? Mm-hmm. And, and I do often hear from, from people the experience that, well, I went to therapy and it just felt like we were talking every session and that yeah. we weren't getting anywhere. Yeah. So here's something that I notice a lot when I'm working with, with people. And it might be a really helpful thing for listeners to check in with themselves about to help give cues to what state you're in. How fast are you speaking? Or how fast are your thoughts kind of floating through your mind? Mm -hmm. What I also, I'm thinking of one client in particular who I'll I'll often say, oh, I'm noticing that you're speaking really quickly right now. Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) And then just that cue to slow down, that is actually a resiliency routine. Mm. But that's the next step, right? To slow down how quickly we're speaking helps bring us back to more of a safe, calm, socially engaged state. I can, I imagine listeners can relate to being, you know, talking to someone or listening to someone, being in some sort of social situation where the person is talking a mile a minute and just starting to feel more and more agitated. I don't know. Have you had that experience? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I can I can think of even sometimes if it's myself if I'm not yes. tuning into what what I'm doing and then I get frustrated with myself of where mm-hmm. am I going and what's the point of this, mm-hmm. but also listening to other people of where what's going on right now like what why am I feeling so agitated by this yeah and there's nothing unusual about. It, it being contagious, this energy. So there's like mm. this idea of, not just idea, but there's this phenomenon of like emotional contagion. Mm-hmm. And this is what's happening in grocery stores when people are fighting for, you know, the last thing of toilet paper, right? right. Like yes, we're, right. We're, ta- we're picking up and taking on more of that, that energy. I see that I see that in the grocery store when people don't want to make eye contact Mm, where where it's almost like and I can sense it like people have this bubble around them that now we're wearing masks so we've gone internal and it's 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 almost like this perception of it's not safe to look at other people but I mean we're safe we can look at people and connect with them still but but then when I see other people doing this and keeping to themselves it pulls that from me as well that emotional contagion of oh Mm -hmm. gosh should should I be keeping to myself and don't look at other people absolutely and I love that example that you raised Tracy it highlights so much the importance of eye contact and Mm. smiling we can smile with our eyes yes Yes. it's great to have the full face um smiling but But we can tell by looking at eyes yes yeah so making contact with the grocery store cashier and people working at the grocery stores or people on the street or your neighbors you know taking that time as you're walking by or as you're checking out to to smile and acknowledge the other person it's not just awesome for their autonomic nervous system it's awesome for yours it'll help both of you get more into that ventral vagal mm-hmm. socially engaged state and what we call that is co-regulation Mm-hmm. Right, so we can help each other regulate. There's self-regulation, so yes. helping ourselves get back into a regulated state of mind. But then there's also co-regulation. So we do this in in therapy. We do this with our children. We do or, this with our partners. Exactly. I'm, my couple's hat is on right now. Absolutely. If we and I say this to the couples in my room or a virtual right now, but mm-hmm. I, they don't look at each other and, and, and I invite them to look at each other and talk. And when your partner is talking to you, you look at them in the eyes and to focus on that part so you can truly see them. Because what we do in our couple relationship is we then look away and we go into our own story and the perceptions and assumptions that we often make, which is they're coming at me again right now. They're going to attack me or they will reject me if I Mm -hmm. show this to them. When oftentimes what's happening is when one partner starts to go into this vulnerable space, if I'm worried they won't be there for me, the other partner is looking so intently at them. They're and looking for the they're looking. of safety. 
Yeah. And that's what we do. Yes. Yeah. It's like if, you know, if a child um, falls at the park or whatever, it looks up towards its caregiver or any adult for a sign like, how, how upset should I be right now? Mm-hmm. And are you there for me? Yes. <laughs> right. Right. And you see different parents with different reactions. Some will be like, oh, you know, really worried. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, big tears or, right. you know, the, the parent just looks down. Okay. I'm here for you. Yeah. Okay. Maybe there'll be a few tears depending on right. the severity of the injury, but we're looking all the time for cues. And so that, that first step is really to get a sense of and ask yourself and get in the habit of asking yourself, what state am I in right now? And give it a name. It doesn't have to be ventral, sympathetic, dorsal. Mm-hmm. You can give it a different name. It could be um, Happy, George, and Amelia. Like, it doesn't matter what you <laughs> name them. Just get to know the different states that you're in. And you mm-hmm. can be playful with it, right? <laughs> right, right. Loosens it up a little bit. And then once you know the state you're in, then it's about using, identifying and using an anchor to help regulate you back to your safe and social state. And that is where checking in with your body and what do you need? So as I mentioned, there are things you can do on your own or things you can do with others. So there's a self-regulation hacks or co-regulation hacks. If you're feeling more of a lack of energy and hopelessness, And this is a really important distinction. You're likely in dorsal. Uh And what's more helpful when you're in more of that shutdown, like the bottom of the ladder state, is to bring some gentle movement or gentle engagement into your behavior. So that might look like listening to gentle or soft music, sitting with people or imagining being with with someone, Uh writing or texting a friend, or movement it might be like, different, you know, really gentle yoga postures or rocking or using some sort of gentle self-massage. Whereas if you're feeling more of a flood of energy, think, you know, panic, agitation, irritability, you're likely more in a sympathetic, mobilized state. And this is where you really need to safely discharge and organize the energy. You know, staying still is not helpful in this state, but rather using some sort of organized movement or vocalization like dancing or singing. Um, in fact, I was, I was just speaking with um, a client the other day and, and she was describing this state of feeling like more agitated and a flood of energy. And I was like, and then what did, what did you do? She's like, I danced. I was mm-hmm. like, exactly. That's what your body is telling you what you need. Mm-hmm. If we pause and ask our bodies, there's so much wisdom there. I, I I know this pausing is so powerful. And it's something I talk a lot about with couples as well. But I think what ends up happening, though, is that we miss the pause. And mm-hmm. sometimes we go into this avoidance because mm-hmm. we are so distracted by our phones. Yes. And so many distractions. Yeah. Yeah. And that's natural. The urge is there to avoid what's uncomfortable. Right. And stress is uncomfortable. So we turn towards phones or alcohol or food or some other thing to 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 help us regulate. But the problem with those approaches is it doesn't safely release or discharge the mm. energy and that keeps building up. I like that you say that it doesn't safely discharge it and it keeps building. It, it's the, it's the short-term release. Absolutely. Short-term relief so, rather. Mm-hmm. So for short-term relief, it might be very workable. And I can, we can all imagine situations where doing something to just get through that moment without harming ourselves too much is the best case scenario, right? So there's nothing wrong with using avoidance strategies that are numbing sometimes, the reason we are using them is because sometimes they were really adaptive. That's that's where we pick them up. Perhaps mm-hmm. as kids, it wasn't safe to move because then we'd get hit or get yelled at and told, stay still, mm-hmm. stop moving around so much or, or whatever. We learn all sorts of things that we then carry with us into new circumstances when we don't have to do these same behaviors anymore. And so we can build in new anchors that are cues to safety, things that help remind us of what we need to bring us back to this regulated state. And so I I encourage clients I work with, you know, to think of 
who can you think of that might help you bring you back to safety? Like just bring to mind or are there certain things that you can bring into your environment, to your home, like cues that, that help bring you back to that more safe, um, socially engaged state of mind. It might be how we arrange our, our space. So for instance, I, I'm thinking of one client right now who um, really created an oasis in her bedroom mm. that it became her safe space. Mm-hmm. And so it, it might be, you know, getting a one of those Himalayan salt lamps mm-hmm. and or um, laying out your yoga mat or having a special cushion or, you know, just the colors. There's a whole psychology of colors. Certain colors bring more of a sense of calm and relaxation. Mm-hmm. You know, red is not one of those colors. <laughs> so if if you're feeling more agitated and more angry these days, maybe, you know, don't wear as much red or, you know, put away yeah. the red cushions for a while. Bring out some blue and green. Put one of the things I did, I had one on my list to do for years, and then finally COVID hit, and I was like, all right, I need to bring out all the hacks. So I put a picture of my favorite lake where I swim in the warmer months mm. as my desktop, my screen background on my computer. Green space, bodies of water. These are things that bring us to our safe and social state of mind. And we can bring them into our home, into our work environments, even when we can't go to them. And what I like about that, Julie, is that this isn't one more thing on your to-do list. This is the cues that are around you that are, are simple, that we can be doing all the time. Very simple. Another favorite, um, favorite resiliency routine or, or Vegas strengthening or toning hack of mine is using cold and hot. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned my sauna use earlier. So that's something that we can do without a sauna. You can take a hot bath Mm -hmm. or have a hot cup of tea. These things will help tone the vagus. Cold, cold is super, super powerful. And so I'm thinking of, uh, of a client who has significant anxiety to the point of vomiting because of the because of the anxiety and so I've been working with this client to have part of their shower cold Mm -hmm. and it can be like 20 seconds in between warm water and it is such a powerful way of stimulating the vagus nerve that at a physiological level it helps bring your body back into more of a ventral vagal state that more relaxed, calm, socially engaged state. So even with just one, the first use of this cold shower, the client (laughs) reported less anxiety and less nausea. So Mm. super powerful. You're, you know, people are probably having showers already. And if, if it feels like, oh, that would just be too painful. Well, then I would invite you to consider which would you rather, 20 minutes of discomfort with cold water or much longer discomfort with nausea? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I'd take the cold shower any day. I'll take the cold shower. And it's not its not 20 minutes of a cold shower. No. It's just turning yeah. on cold. It, yes. it's, it's something that I do myself. And, and the first time it was actually brought up to me was several years ago. I think I had this bronchitis that I couldn't fight. And I saw a naturopath who encouraged me to have the warm shower and then Mm -hmm. alternate 30 seconds warm, 30 seconds cold on the front and back of my chest. Yes. And it, it's it's a great way to wake you up, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's grounding and it is something that I still use today and it's, it's great. And this isn't something, again, allowing yourself to be uncomfortable momentarily mm-hmm. it's a moment mm-hmm. of discomfort versus that long term or longer term discomfort that we come yeah. up with i'm thinking well, about, the problem oh, with the longer term discomfort is it you know when we don't do these different things it's not just that the nausea stays or the anxiety stays but it actually gets worse mm-hmm. so because our resiliency goes down 
So it's not as simple as choosing one over the other. We actually, we need to do different in order to not have things get worse. Yeah, to do different. That doing something different is incredibly important. I'm getting in. Sorry, go on. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) I get excited about talking about the Vegas. No, go ahead, I had a question um, from from someone who reached out to me and they said they're wondering about um, kind of this idea of burnout and whether Mm -hmm. it was impacting their ability to recover Mm -hmm. from hard workouts. And they were talking about needing this hard workout to reduce their stress. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So the, the, our vagal tone is directly related to our heart rate variability, which is too big of a topic to get into mm-hmm. today in this discussion. But heart rate variability is, and our vagal tone are physiological markers for our ability to recover. Mm-hmm. So although, and I can totally appreciate this as someone who loves vigorous workouts, yes. but when we're in situations that are higher stress, what what our body sometimes needs more of is more gentle movement. Mm. So think about where again, where on the the ladder are you? How rested? How you know you know calm and relaxed are you? And if you're tending to be more shut down or like in that immobilized, um, withdrawn, like really tired, worn out state, that's where. You know, a vigorous workout, as much as that's the default go-to coping strategy, may not be the thing that's going to serve you well. Mm-hmm. We we had um, we had another discussion recently on the podcast um, about burnout and, and also about just pushing the immune system. That sometimes when we're burnt out, we need to go slow, and that going for that walk can be just as powerful as that. 5k push run um that that we do need to to be nurturing and gentle to ourselves and not just as helpful but even more helpful Mm -hmm. right because if you want to get back to doing more of the vigorous stuff you first we first need to get back into um we we need to let our bodies recover we need to take the time and do the the activities to help get into that more socially engaged calm state to build resiliency so that we're able to then do do all the things that bring us joy in life. Julie, I just want to say before we wrap up, thank you so much for joining me here today. This has been such an important conversation around where we are using the ladder imagery, where you are in the ladder and going inwards and asking yourself, what's going on for me right now and what do I need? Mm-hmm. Questions, so important. And thank you so much for, for having me on your podcast, Tracy. It's been an absolute pleasure as always connecting with you. Thank you. And we always have such great chats when we are together. And I know a lot of my listeners don't know this, but you and I actually have an e-course together where we help women cope with stress and burnout. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm very excited about the timing of of this e-course and getting it out to people. Um, So many powerful tips and hacks in it that I think will make such a huge difference for for anyone who wants to sign up for it. For anyone who is looking for more information to deal with burnout and stress, head over to my website, drtracyd.com forward slash learn to find out more on our e-course Beyond Burnout. Now we have created this five session e-course to fit into your busy life because we know that women and mothers, they don't need one more thing. You do not need one more thing on your to-do list. So we've created these short sessions with powerful tools in them filled with some guides to go with it, some audio exercises for you to take on the go and to really put those strategies into place. And we are having a special discount for listeners today. So be sure to go over and use the promo code BURNOUT for 20% off. Now, Black Friday is just around the corner. So we are also offering you a special discount 
to save more. So head over to my website and be sure to check that out. In addition to that, um, there's another another couple places where people can connect with me and find some additional resources. So I've become so um, passionate about parasympathetic health and the vagus nerve that I want to get information out to others, um, tips, tricks, tools on um, vagus and parasympathetic health. And I've just launched Vagus Connect, which is an online resource and community for all things vagus nerve. Um, so you can join the community at Vegas, that's V-A-G-U-S, connect, all one word, C-O-N-N-E-C-T dot com. And I'm also offering a free guide on five tips on how to calm the bleep down. And you can get, <laughs> you can get, I'm keeping this clean. You can get this at VegasConnect.com. Um, um, how do you call that? Slash, not slash, VegasConnect.com. Forward slash forward slash, thank you, Dr. Tracy D. Or it's also available at my website, drjuliebolak.com. That's Dr. J-U-L-I-E, Bolak, B-E-A-U-L-A-C.com, where you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Bolak. And I will put all of the links in the show notes. So be, be sure to go over and find them, drtracyd.com forward slash podcast. I will have them there. And they're also available in the show notes. Julie, thank you so much for your time and for so much information that we need right now during this difficult time. Mm, my pleasure. So I would encourage all listeners to, you know, just try one or two simple hacks or tricks to to stimulate your vagus nerve you will not regret it thank you for tuning into today's episode i hope you enjoyed it if you are looking for more head over to drtracyd.com or head over to itunes and be sure to let me know what you thought of the episode you can click the stars or leave me a review i read every single one of them and i absolutely love hearing from you Remember that information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care professional. I hope you have a great rest of the week. And until next time, remember that you are right where you need to be. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.